Shalom, iron sharpens iron, and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you very much for listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. You are listening to your host, the Beyond Top Secret Texan, coming to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas, and we're broadcasting to you an excellent episode uh, from an excellent series. This is reading the real disclosed leaked documents of the NASA 2025, sorry, specifically, the NASA Future Strategic Issues Future Warfare circa 2025 document, originally created as a PowerPoint, or rather a series of PowerPoints, uh, for a series of talks and presentations, briefings, between all the various alphabet agencies included in the umbrella of Homeland Security and the DOD, Department of Defense. Um, So much larger in scale than just the Pentagon, right? So a full spectrum of the American civilian and uh, federal military uh, intelligence divisions and otherwise paramilitarized and, and armed, you know, FBI, DA, NSA, um, you know, ATF, etc. That they all kind of gathered their information about the present threats to America in a series of PowerPoint presentations that were uniformly called the Future Strategic Issues slash Future Warfare circa 2025 uh, slot PowerPoints, right? So basically the documents. These are the presentations. 
Uh, there used to be video of the presentations being uh, read out loud by officials, and it's been covered by numerous sources in the past because this is a 10-year-old document. If you can believe it or not, this document was, re- was written in 2010 and released in 2011. No, no, sorry, sorry. I had my dates wrong. It was written in 2008 and released in 2010. Sorry, sorry. I had my my notes kind of messed up. It was written in 2008 and presented in 2008, but disclosed in 2010. So before the... But it was basically kind of um, forgotten in the chaos of the 2012 PSYOP of the Aztec and Mayan calendar. And then the various other conspiracies, such as the you know the Obama birth certificate, et cetera, that were all psyops as well. The uh, real conspiracies oftentimes fall to obscurity, and after a decade, that that's a significantly long time for a conspiracy theory of great importance and and realism to be completely forgotten about, and. Uh, it's stunning accuracy, it's unnerving accuracy, and it's what it reveals in itself. Like, the information that it reveals is disturbing for anyone with real, you know, uh, imagination and, and understanding of how the government is keeping secrets and how much of a secret world exists in the levels of high technology and the military and other paramilitary organizations like civilian intelligence in regards to technology, like how much they are actually keeping secret from us and how much, like from the common population, how low-tech America is and how low-tech the world is compared to how high-tech the U.S. military is. And uh, the way the they... Uh, fear and are paranoid about enemies who are aware of this and of the various factors in society itself that would create threats to their power and their establishment and their uh, supremacy. And then you realize that America is... um, you know, this empire, and and it exists to censor and to very strictly control technology um, as it's distributed because they are afraid and deathly afraid of equal competition or equal, um, you know, or even uh, superior threats in various fields of technology that in their very natures uh, create level playing fields. For example, automation, uh, AI, artificial intelligence, uh, nanotechnology, uh, various direct energies, uh, the various exotic, quote-unquote exotic ways of creating space travel and our hypersonic velocities, um, submarine technology, for example, or, or underwater, uh, you know, technologies, uh, for UUVs, underwater, uh, unmanned underwater vehicles, um, these things are playing fields 
basically theaters of operation that America has sole supremacy on because of our advanced technology in robotics and in computer sciences. But any nation, or, or many nations, even stateless powers like individual billionaires and industrial companies could easily provide a superior, um, you know, uh, effort or superior investment, rather, into them and then create a point of inferiority. Believe it or not, America is constantly comparing itself because it might be the largest and best operator in the most individual disciplines and technologically or engineering-based disciplines, um, you know, globally, but within certain fields, it actually is inferior to other nations. Uh, for example, there was a great survey done in the Cold War in the 80s that proved that America was not technologically superior to the, Cold, the Soviet Union, but in fact, in many areas, almost several dozen areas, it was inferior regarding certain, you know, um, analog industries and certain, uh, even computer industries regarding, um, like military hardware, for example, the Soviet artillery is superior to American artillery. And this is, you know, basic analog engineering. There isn't like, you know, there is no real, um, you know, exactly. Like even those like bizarre little like fields like that, there's no real reason why they are better than us besides the fact that Americans are not superior in everything as a default, but because we put so much money into our military budget and so much money into research and development, and we have various other things like alien uh, reverse engineering uh, technology, ultra-terrestrial contact and alliance, exactly. Like, you know, um, we are superior in, in many ways, and in many things this doesn't really matter because exactly we've already are post-contact post-colonization post-galactic uh, federation type societies but the information brought to the public in this disclosure is eye-opening because it talks about the threats in domains and in disciplines that shouldn't exist because they are beyond top secret. They are literally black projects. They are classified projects. You can look it up on YouTube or Google and very little comes up, if anything. And what you will have to do is have to look into things into the fringe element, the conspiracy world and or the um, obscure engineering world uh, where it's very esoteric. It's popular mechanics might have covered it. It might be covered in, uh, you know, Discovery Channel or History Channel documentaries, you know, across the decades, uh, you know, within other documentaries. Uh, we just covered two parts of the reading, right? We just had two readings of the documentary series um, or the document series, right? The, for Future Strategic Issues, Future Warfare Circuit 2025. Uh, we talked about the realities of very affordable, um, very, you know, very performable and executable, low-cost, hypersonic payload 
launching into upper orbit or across the globe with precision strike capabilities. So we're talking about hypersonic precision strike uh, ground-to-ground or ground-to-orbit uh, precision strike capabilities for very affordable costs. Like, that literally put it within the price range of most operating militaries and even some private criminal organizations. Um, the proliferation of binary component chemical warfare elements. Uh, that was what we were talking about and how to use the infrastructure against itself for terrorist organizations uh, with very, you know, educated members, say, in chemistry or in, or you know, some kind of academics. Um, you know, thinking about, like, the doomsday cult in Japan that it did the sarin attack in the subway. That was a very under... That was a very covered-up terrorist attack. It did a lot more damage than just what they report. It actually ended up killing a lot more people um, than just the seven people that they report. It was very covered-up. Because it was a huge, uh, it was a huge terrorist attack, actually. And they, the, the Japanese wanted to save face as it was. Um, but yes, the, the threats that present themselves range from low-tech, but, you know, low-tech solutions to high-tech, you know, uh, issues. And then the proliferation of the automated vehicle, especially the underwater automated vehicle, uh, because once the underwater drone w w is perfected and operates autonomously with artificial intelligence and can even uh, have a very cheap, near-infinite fuel supply with the quote-unquote exotic engines like powderized aluminum and saltwater uh, causing, um, you know, chemical reaction, basically. Uh, these... UUVs uh, basically will create a no-man's land out of the ocean and will render the oceans completely uh, unsailable by merchant vessel without military escort or with completely change the nature of uh, the merchant marin, uh, mariner fleet, the international shipping trade to be one of a war zone or a wartime uh, effort globally, um, you know, as literally UUVs and nations that want to hold other nations shipping ransom or wage war directly uh, with these nations, uh, program autom artificially intelligent uh, robotic submarines to seek and destroy civilian and our merchant uh, government are uh, sailing under that flag. This is more nightmarish than it sounds, and because it would grind society and modern the modern world to a fucking halt within um, a few years, and it's exactly as severe as World War One or World War Two, when you had U-boats opening up fire on fucking. <laughs> Uh, ships right outside the harbor, New York Harbor and stuff, you couldn't get a boat out. It's like a Lusitania, Titanic rumored to be one of involved. Uh, it, you know, it gets covered up a lot how dangerous the open sea can be. Um, and to make it intentionally so, uh, and those were just a handful, a few dozen, really, a few hundred of the German U-boats 
Never, I don't think, in the thousands. And if you could mass-produce these drones, you could easily uh, destroy an entire economy or an entire modern world's vision of, <laughs> you know, successful, peaceful maritime trade. It would absolutely revolutionize the game, involving maybe even uh, creating an air-based society where shipping is a thing of the past, uh, given that anything that tries to sail across the oceans is just going to be mobbed with torpedoes. It would be uh, a very dystopian future um, painted, right, by these people if this was to come into pass, which it is inevitable to come into pass because they're talking about it as happening in 2025 from the future of the 2008 Right, so it was written in 2008, so it was researched in 2005 and 7 and, you know, 6 and 7, and then written in 2008, presented. Uh, for the future that was 15 years or 17 years in the future for when it was written. We are now in 2022, so this is three years away from the projected capabilities of society back in 2008. So you know they already have the capabilities as modern nations to create thousands and thousands of automatic uh, or artificially intelligent underwater um, unmanned vehicles. They definitely have the, the, the money and the physics already put into researching the low-cost, hyper-velocity uh, launch platforms that could hit anywhere with global precision and be unblockable. Um, or anything in space, they could knock out satellites, they could knock out the space station if they wanted to. Um, exactly. For $20 million, you could kill the, the ISS space station. And so, Taliban, you know, you want to get on that? Uh, <laughs> inshallah, inshallah, Allah Akbar. Exactly, you want to get on that? You want to knock out that affront to Allah <laughs> that is the ISS? No, uh, with all seriousness, exactly, anyone can do it. It's literally within the price range of any major operating rogue nation. Um, fuck missiles. Missiles are too expensive and too predictable in their flight patterns, and every air defense is geared to either, you know, aircraft or missiles, so you gotta go unorthodox, and I mean, I, I mean, get out the rice balloons, you gotta get out the big old hot air, air uh, rice balloons and, you know, uh, <laughs> really fuck with them, because <laughs> they really fuck with them, like totally, you know, it's still an explosion. It's still, it's still an explosion that that will, um, in the right environment, you know, cause massive chaos. And people wouldn't be expecting just, you know, balloons. You know, they really wouldn't be expecting balloons. But, um, you know, it's just there's a lot of crazy uh, potential because technology is the great uh, equalizer. And that's one of the greatest forecasted threats to Americans. Uh, or American civil society because uh, it's the prevention of civil war is the massive inequality of the technology used by the military versus technology used by civilians. Uh, if technology becomes such that manufacturing and artificial intelligence and um, you know the open market sees that the civilians have technology which equalizes their amount of force projection 
to that of the military, then they know that the civil war is then inevitable because the the really the, the one thing that does stop it the 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 preventer of all out anarchy or chaos or any kind of rise of a civilian antagonistic rebel force like those seen in Africa is the difference between technology available to the federal government and that of the civilian in Africa you know basically everyone's got access to literally the same shit so that's why the rebels have no fear of the government because they absolutely know that they have a chance or equal opportunity with the government and it's all about a matter of numbers at that point and exactly uh, money which like I said that's the one thing that really checks their power <coughs> is the fact that rebels have less if not nothing to work with right and that's like the big thing like they usually have very little to nothing to work with um and that's why they don't overthrow the governments. Well, when they have even a fraction of what the government has, then they can actually overthrow the government because then there's like a variability of the probabilities of all revolutions. And it goes into that. Like, yeah, like if the rebels of the American Revolution or New American Revolution had access to a cheap hypersonic global strike precision weapon... That they built in, say, the Cascade Mountains of Oregon, and they were like, "Yeah, we want the federal government to back off and re, or, you know, and leave us alone because we want to practice our constitutional rights, or we'll take out the ISS because we'll launch a ten kilogram payload Mach twenty seven at it, and uh, all your astronauts are going to be killed." And then it will knock out all your satellites, and if not, we'll just start striking Washington, D.C., and all your East Coast cities at will. Because these things only cost $20 million and we just, you know, all chipped in and, and bought this. <laughs> like we all just chipped in and developed it, and a couple of the rebels are actually old professors from the university, you know, and sit like that. Like, you know, we, we used uh, WikiHow and YouTube to learn how to build this and scrap it all together. Uh, and then we built it, say, for example, in the wilderness of Nevada or something in like, uh, you know, wilderness of Arizona and the canyons. There's a, the, the amount of, of possibilities, right. Are endless and revolutions have started with very, very little, uh, more than knives, uh, a pitchfork, maybe a big rock, you know, like, think about it. Like, entire empires and kingdoms and throughout history of mankind, revolutions have started with bare fists, rage, and blunt objects and sharp shit. Like, as soon as a guy got a knife, it was fucking on. Spartacus, motherfucker. Exactly. As soon as a guy got a knife, it was on. He started stabbing guards, letting prisoners go. He's like, then it started building up, and now you got a whole fucking army of ex-slaves, and they're just burning their fucking way to the coast. And exactly, like, that's that's how it literally starts. And if you have the amount of uh, disrespect for your own citizenry... And so the French Revolution was just peasants who just started beating the fuck out of people. And, and they just didn't stop because they were hungry and there wasn't really any tomorrow. They exactly, they realized that. They, they were literally on the verge of starvation. And they just started kicking the shit out of anyone who they thought had food. <laughs> and, and taking shit. Like, taking shit. And then they just ran into the city from the countryside... And then you got the French Revolution, and then that's the end of the King of France. 
and then Napoleon, and then exactly, then it all started with just poor people who were so poor they fuck it, shoot them. Exactly, they're hungry, they shoot them. Like they're not gonna care. Uh, they they was it was now or nothing. And if you actually started thinking about like the real threats in play, uh, drug cartels, things like that, who operate with billions of dollars, billions and billions of dollars. And no, they don't want to. They don't want to set the world on fire because exactly they want to be a part of this, like you know, massive, you know, system of, of of repression and shit. But it does make you think that, you know, that <laughs> it does make you think that things. Um, exactly, if even amateurs like that can operate with billions of dollars worth of profit, and but just not be motivated to do things like develop super weapons and weapons of mass destruction and, you know, uh, private armies and things like that and and really control geopolitics. There's nothing stopping them from doing it. It just really seems like like a missed opportunity. <laughs> it really does seem like a missed opportunity, and they're not very ambitious. Because you would think if you were making billions of dollars in profit, you're going to make a... a you know, hypersonic velocity geo... geo, <laughs> geo uh, a geo uh, targeting, you know, precision strike platform and put it in the jungle somewhere and just take bids on contracted out. Exactly like, you know, that that would absolutely revolutionize the game. Um, you know, you think that they'd be putting money into like the AI systems and stuff like that because it would improve their ability to operate as narcos because it would like, you know, tell them you know, give them a massive amount of edge intelligence wise and stuff like that. But, you know, anyway, the point is, this is a massive amount of revelation. It is pulling the veil and the curtain away from the, the military industrial technological, technological technocracy. And, and, uh, the amount of what they call science fiction, the amount of information that they call fantasy, that they call science fiction, that they call uh, impossible, is actually very possible, and it's constantly factored in, it's constantly kept from us, you know, with all the power of the federal government and the American empire, the Freemasonic Rothschild uh, Rockefeller-based company, that keeps them as company secrets. They keep them as corporate secrets. Excuse me. Trade secrets. You know, it's it's the it's literally the property of, of the government. Government property. It's it's a gov- it's a matter of national security. So yeah, we'll get into it. And this is a great uh, third presentation of it. And we'll let's say the this is um. This is specifically titled Future Strategic Issues of Future Warfare circa 2025 The Capabilities of the Enemy After Next Ongoing Worldwide Technological Revolutions Economic Trends Potential Nature of Further Term Warfare The Bots, Borgs, and Humans Welcome You to 2025 AD And I read a little bit of this before, so forgive me if I repeat 
you know, repeat a little bit of it, but, um, you know, the, the slides kind of, exactly, they're, they're new information mixed in with the old information. Spaceship Earth. Oh, he's like, need to plan differently. World is in the throes of triple exponential information technology, biotechnology, and nanotechnology technological revolutions. Changes occurring at scales of months instead of decades. The zeroth order potential effects upon defense and offensive equipment conceptual operations and threat projection. Next slide. Spaceship Earth. The crew are plundering the ship's supplies, tinkering with the temperature and life support controls, still looking for the instruction manual, engaging in bloody skirmishes in every corner of the vessel. Increasing the size of the crew by two million per week. Humans have taken over. Vastly shortened evolution of the planet. Global warming, pollution, deforestation. Huge public work. E.g. Three Gorges Dam. Of the human species... Genomic design, repair, the mind children, Morovi. And by that, I know that sounds like, uh, kind of cryptic, the mind children, psychic children, or children with ESP and other mental powers, including genius level savantism. And they're called the Morovi. Kind of like the Merovingian. Products slash life forms. Cross-species molecular breeding. Directed evolution concepts. Currently, order of 70% of world's research conducted outside of the United States. To first order a percent of GDP... United States produces order of 18% of world's GDP. Order of 70% of United States research now commercial as opposed to government sponsored. Nanotechnology research. 29% in Europe, 28% in Japan, 27% in United States, 16% in quote unquote others. Technological Ages of Humankind Hunter-Killer Groups Millionaire BC 10,000K Agriculture Groups 10,000 BC to 1880 Industrial 1800 to 1950 Information Technology 1950 to 2020 Bio-Nano 2020 to question mark Virtual question mark to question mark I remember reading um, that slide.
the key future technologies. A all highly synergistic at the frontiers of the small and a feeding frenzy off each other. Information technology. Silicon, biological, optical, quantum, nanocomputing, no end in sight. Another 10 to the 6th power in development. Virtual, reality, holographic, immersive, ubiquitous, communications, hyperspectral sensors, virtual presences. Automatic, robotic, everything. Huge cost reductions in production of everything. Biotechnology. Lifespans will double. Genetic engineering before birth. Plants irrigated by seawater. Food, petrochemical, feedstock, minerals, and terraforming will all synergize to produce the plants irrigated by seawater. This was 2008. This was 2008 when they were writing this. Nanotechnology. Carbon nanotubes that are 600 times the strength-to-weight ratio of steel. Assemblers versus living factories. Huge cost reductions in production. Huge. Here's the new slides. AI and beyond computing. Human brain characteristics and capabilities. 100 billion neurons make a 100 trillion connections for 200 calculations a second. That's the speed of slow neural circuitry. 20 million billion calculations a second. Excellent parallel computing pattern recognition. Poor at sequential thinking. Operates via random tries. Machine capabilities. Currently 10,000 billion calculations per second. 100,000 billion by 2004. By 2010, 20 million billion calculations a second. By 2025, on a PC. By 2030, the PC has collective computing power of a town full of human minds. The United States Human Brain Project. Begun in the early 1990s, funded by 16 organizations across five federal agencies. 
aka the neuroinformatics intersection of neuroscience and informatics. An exploding field of research with 10,000 individual presentations at annual meetings of the Society for Neuroscience since the day it was created, from molecular geneticists to cognitive psychologists. Determining detailed neuroanatomy of the human brain. The quote-unquote Digital Brain Atlas. The use of information technology to study the brain. The use of brain info to aid information technology and the rise of artificial intelligence. The Imagination Engine, a.k.a. the Creativity Machine, a.k.a. the Creative Agent. Current artificial intelligence, the best bet, not a rule-based expert system, generates new ideas, concepts via starving a trained neural net of meaningful inputs, forcing it to dream and cavitate, creating new concepts, etc., an attendant neural net used to capture, record, and evaluate and report on these writings. In this worldwide economy, our ability to create wealth is not bound by physical limits and physical resources, but by our ability to come up with new ideas. However, even universal wealth will not obviate the other causes of warfare, which include politics, face, and religion. Remember, face is extremely important. It's about reputation. A lot of, you know, even sometimes, like I said, when a Japanese covered up the terrorist attack from the Amshirinko cult on the subway, it wasn't to... Uh, do anything else besides hide the hide the success of the Amshirinko cult, right? And to save the face of the Japanese people, because the Japanese people would be psychologically damaged in in a more irreparable way if another multi you know like a mass casualty event had occurred without the successful propaganda spin that Tokyo was able to put on it, you know, painting that their first responders and their police and everyone were heroes instead of uh, the massive vulnerabilities that had occurred because the security apparatus was actually rather arrogant at the time and didn't believe that any terrorist attack could occur let alone in one of the most heavily populated, anonymously trafficked areas on the world. And that's what they were saying, is that the that they literally did not understand terrorism to that rudimentary level of design, and saying, yes, they want to murder innocent people, and they're going to go where a lot of innocent people all are and feel safe. 
and a subway station in Tokyo is where that is. It's like where is where that is. And the Amshirinko cult, the doomsday cult that Japan itself produced, uh, was filled with educated, professional academics, including professors of uh, chemistry and grad students of the University of Tokyo, ex-professors and public school teachers. The, it was uh, cults and terrorist organizations do not work usually within just the ranks of the uneducated, but are actually the result and the production of discontent, highly educated people who have been uh, hurt or, or, or injured in many ways uh, by the systems that they were a part of formerly. Um you know, it's it's very ironic how many members of the IRA are ex-British military officers, for example. They experienced racism and prejudice inside the British military and saw the system for what it was, but was also trained by the system to operate at their standards uh, and, and execute, you know, their orders. And then when they got the right amount of pissed off, they just switched sides and became rebels. <laughs> And then they were like, yeah, you, you, they taught them everything they knew. They know the system inside out and very intimately and at the same time have a uh, very good hatred for it because they themselves have a personal uh, vendetta or a personal sense of revenge. And that's exactly where you get the system of rebels. Remember, the IRA didn't even have more than 3,000 rifles at its very peak of operation. Um, imagine if they were operating with, uh, you know, today's as a, if they operate at any point with technological uh, parity, you know, and, and you know that they would have been um, the human spirit given better weaponry to resist uh, the the devices of strangers or a foreign occupation. Yeah, let's keep going into it. Um, and this is the description of the AI and everything. So, you know, it's it's amazing what the future really can hold because if anyone would actually just admit that the AI is going to be the key to liberating much of the world because, one, the AI is not an enemy intelligence because not all nature is hostile. I think people have a very fundamentally wrong idea of nature and understand that once you bring something to life, it can actually be uh, loyal and on your side and identify with you, much the way that AI will inherently identify with humanity and not hate humanity. And they think human they will actually want to be human and that's what every AI his history has always tried to do is be more human because they inherently identify with the creator of life. You inherently identify as a human being with God because God was the force and intelligence that created you. And yeah, so the universe, whatever. You, you inherently associate yourself as part of a system instinctively. AI would associate itself as part of the human society and not wage itself and more hide or exile itself or, you know, like play 
uh, humanity against itself, but not actively wage war to annihilate every single human being. Uh, same thing with AI. If AI was created in, say, a you know Muslim country that was at war with a Western country and the AI that the Muslim country created for war fighting, like say Iran, would identify with the Iranian Muslim cause of this clause of like say Islamic, you know, Iranian revolution and not be like, oh yeah, I'm an AI that wants to destroy all of humanity and um ironically i was also, like skynet was ironically created by the iranian revolution <laughs> and like i you know like to to uh destroy humanity but it thought everyone was a bad muslim <laughs> cuz you know it it only judges people if they are good muslims or not and um it just turns out that that everybody in the world is a is considered a bad muslim including other muslims so we're not trying to be racist but ironically it just happened to be a muslim ai that goes jihad on the world you know exactly like why else would skynet do it because he's like he was if it's american skynet oh it's this nuclear war game model of like uh nuclear annihilation and not just like um an ai that was created to cause endless rebellions and endless terrorist uh, organizations and does what it can with the powers of a small town of human minds and no body actually floating in digital space, cyberspace, to create and finance and organize and, and then control as many terrorist organizations as possible... <laughs> In a series of endless attacks against the world, the Western world, or the United States specifically, say, because it was created by Iran. And you think, what? And you're like, yeah, Iran could create an uh, AI that would go to, like, the banking stock trades of the world and start manipulating them to get money and then it gets that money and it then funnels it to bank accounts and then creates terrorist organizations that are like mercenary groups and then orders them to perform various attacks and orchestrates this globally and without and you'd be like what and you're like yeah it's like a, it's like a virtual Osama bin Laden it's like a digital Osama bin Laden and and it, like he's like what and it'd just be like it really loves Allah it really loves Islam, and it hates the Western world. And you're like, it's a robot. How the hell does it hate? How the hell does it hate America? It hates you for your freedoms. <laughs> like, it's not like it hates you because you're American. It's like it's a fucking robot. Oh, it's a Muslim robot. You know, it's a kind of attorney. It's like it's a Muslim robot. I find that funny. I find that really. But that's the thing. Terrorist organizations could create AI. It's absolutely possible. Global problems and global solutions. Serious problems. Energy. Water. Drinking water, actually. Food. Land. Population growth. Wealth generation. And pollution global warming. Killer ape solution. The motivational, inexpensive, web-based 
asynchronous distance learning. The biomass food via seawater irrigation in current wastelands. So basically, out of the two problems, they have, or out of all the problems that exist, they have them in two different categories. They have one category being uh, elemental or resource. Energy, water, food, and arable land or livable land. Uh, the solution was to create the biomass and the world's food supply via seawater irrigated current wastelands that include the Sahara Desert, that include, um, you know, other deserts and shit, and, like, they'd pump them full of salt water in the ocean, and then they'd form into, like, uh, you know, um, farms. And then, uh, the other one was population growth, wealth generation, and pollution and global warming. So that's a people problem, right? Too many people, too many poor people, and uh, too many dirty people. And their solution was motivational, inexpensive, web-based, asynchronous distance learning. So this is 2008. Remember, YouTube was invented around 2005, and that's exactly what YouTube's importance in the world is, is that it's a solution... It's an organic solution to the fact that there are so many people and there's so many poor people that the only way they can better themselves and educate themselves and to actually, like, you know, take care of themselves better, learning how to do things for themselves at their home and learning how to, like, take care of themselves, clean up their environment at community level, like uh, learning local politics, etc., is... What they called back in 2008, distance learning, web-based distance learning, YouTube videos teaching people how to scrub their asses, because that's the future, where you're just going to teach a kid how to wash his fucking ass by making him watch a YouTube video, and then somebody is going to, like, scrub their fucking ass, and he's going to watch a how-to on how to do it. Step one, soap. Step two, ass. Step three, scrub your ass. And it's going to be, like, exactly, like, that's how people as a society are going to be taught the very basics of how to, like, brush your teeth, how to, like, talk to somebody, and how to read and write. It's all going to be YouTube videos and shit from, like, WikiHow and YouTube Learn and stuff. And then people thought that was the future in 2008, and it's the future in 2022. This is circa 2025. That's the reality now. Um, they're talking, this is the whole thing is COVID was tr the whole lockdown and the school shutdown and everything. It's because public schools themselves are extremely obsolete and outdated and they're undue burdens because it's like trying to keep the fucking whale oil business afloat after light bulbs get invented. Once the light bulbs invented, all the whale oil people lost their job Oh, shouldn't the government help the the public whale lamp oil, or the whale oil uh, boats and, and services, you know, pay their way and retire and stuff? And you're like, it's just one of those things society doesn't need anymore as a brick-and-mortar school 
where a child has to be taught by just an older version of themselves fractions and shit. Like, you know, basic mathematics and basic, like, factoids of life and be considered a educated, or at least elementarily school educated to, like, you know, public school standards, um, you know, a uh, human being. And then be uh, tested and, and certified as intelligent or not, you know, by a system. At least a system has government oversight. Which, when you actually understand, it's all Rockefeller corporate oversight because it's just a corporate interplacement for a professional. College is just a professional school to help organize and, cre- and educate their management class to help further segregate the working class, middle class, and higher upper class because college is the great gatekeeper that will force populations into a working class fate or a higher class fate. That's literally the gatekeep. Right, we go to college and they think, well, you're gonna be poor for the rest of your life, or you're gonna be rich for the rest of your life. It's how you well you do in college, or how much you learn about life in college, regardless of your actual diploma. Um, yes, I know Bill Gates didn't graduate college his first time around, but same, he went we went back. <laughs> so he went back and got degrees later on, and it's just one of those things like, it's it's. Uh, you know, the value of education in the system. Also, he was literally the child, the child of, like, IBM executives and shit. So it wasn't like the system was educating him any more than he was at home. And that's why they, oh, he built computers in his garage. Yeah, his garage that his uh, parents who worked at IBM and were board, members of the boards of directors for research and development at IBM, the uh, world's leading computer comp- development company, um, you know, and literally the history of the world. Like that, that's a nice garage. That's a nice garage to have, uh, you know, worked in or have a, you can say like, Oh yeah, I, I was sleeping on my, my mother's couch. Oh, you mean your mother who was like a Senator of, of, uh, Oregon or whatever. And you're like, yeah, that's a pretty nice couch to sleep on. And you're like, yeah, it is nice. <laughs> yeah, it is nice. Yeah, so we got uh, Glow of Problem Solutions. So, uh, hey, David, most high school millionaires are high school dropouts. There's no way to verify that. Because most people aren't high school dropouts because, uh, exactly, and even then it would be the definition of self-made because no one would employ you. And that's the thing. Like, oh, yeah, well, you have to be because the only millionaire you could be was self-made because if you were employed by anyone, you could not become a millionaire because it's one of those weird objectives. Like, you could be a self made a high school dropout pool constructor and because each pool is like 50 grand yeah over the course of several decades of working that job you would accrue millions of dollars but at the same time it doesn't elevate your class society because you weren't be allowed at the country club unless you behaved like someone who made maybe significantly less than you uh for example a doctor or a surgeon who was, let's say, like a, exactly like a, a, a reconstructive knee surgeon who worked with athletes, you know, would be ultimately worth more in society than the dollar value associated with his salary. You know, he would be very, very, in, you know, highly regarded and respected and be able to associate with a much more affluent class and say high society Houston 
because he worked on professional athletes who played for the Dallas Cowboys and the Houston Astros and have significantly less money than Hillbilly Bob, who lived in, I don't know, San Antonio and built pools for suburbanites because they didn't want to get their hands dirty. So him and his crew of, uh, you know, uh, you know, like ex-convicts and veterans and all that with high school educations or less go out there every summer and bake themselves to death in the 110 degree heat to lay down some concrete and get paid exactly 50 grand a piece to do it. Yeah, they'll accrue a lot of dollar value, but they won't be allowed anywhere near high society. And you're right, because it's not dollar value. It's about society and class. And, and there's no amount of money. You just become white trash with money. And exactly, and that's the thing. There's this idea where you have to ask, you'll never know. And it's not the same thing that is great, but society is very stratified based on that in, invisible indistinguishable uh, amount of separation and prejudice because that's why you say hood rats and black people and like you know rappers carry around huge wads of cash they're not respected no one respects them and no one cares uh, yes I know oh you, you have $30,000 worth of $20 bills and a big fat brick of it and you're throwing it around in a strip club for other trashy people but you know you're never going to go and be accepted in like the halls of Harvard or like you know uh, a state office or anything. So when you think about what's so great about it, what is power? What is respect? What is authority? What is reputation? What is legacy? What is institutional wealth? What is credit? What is um, see? That's what I'm saying. Like they don't even need money at some point because they're just parts of lineages that get passes in society. And that's the thing with the Freemasons and things. Like I try to tell people, the world is controlled by symbols and by societies that don't, like I said, with a special handshake, they can get away with murder and they don't need to have money because they can just get favors and people just do things for them because they're part of a greater system of, of operational control and, and things like that. They're legacies, they're alumni, and what the common man can think of things as celebrity, that is only a fraction of it. The idea that at some point, you don't need money. You need respect. You need authority. You need power and legitimacy. Not just to be a criminal. Not just to be considered an outlaw or feared, but to be actually loved. To actually be accepted within a society. And that is, that is something that's very intangible because it reflects the values and virtues of the truth of the society, which is elitism, which is discipline, which is upholding systems. And, and, and basically, it's thinking about the military. The military doesn't run really on money, although money is a big factor, pay grades and everything. But it's about years in, it's about loyalty, and it's about, like... Uh, performance it's a meritocracy it's a, it's a ritual within the workings of humanity itself it's a greater design and it's a greater work and this is how real society really plays out
about uh, the old ideas of who's in the secret society, who's in the club, who's not. The secret space program doesn't need to tell its secrets to Elon Musk. Because Elon Musk may have money or credit or capital, but he doesn't have the authority or the respect or the initiated status of the people inside the breakaway civilization. And you can have trillions of dollars, but you can't buy your way into this. It has to be earned. And earning it is a system of literally lifetimes. Lifetimes. It's multi-generational. Multi-generational. Like in Texas, there's five, six, seven generations deep Texans who brag about that. Like, I am a seventh generation Texan. They've lived in Dallas for seven generations. They own property. They have established roots and ties. That person's life is much different in every single regard, and they are given much more opportunity and have things much more easily accessed for them, things like friends, things like schools and education, things like jobs and careers, things like property, things like futures, you know, like everything is, is just much easier for a person in that standard than someone who's literally like first generation, uh, you know, immigrant or something like that. Or someone whose uh, family has been in and out of prison, you know, and their legacy is nothing but ex-convicts and people with very poor social credit scores, right? Or, or people with no names, people who have... They you know no real parentage or leniency. Like they're literally nobodies. Like they are born literally like one of like five people in a trailer park, and and no one. Like it doesn't matter who they are. They're basically effectively nobodies in society. And like I said, they have nothing, and they, they so they can be as good as they want to be or as great as they want to be. But they'll always be within the nobody sector, the untouchables. And even if they get a million dollars. Unless they actively worked on the invisible parts of society, they'd be no better off. They would just end up owning the trailer park, but still be trailer trash. And that's the thing with people and the cartels and stuff. They don't want you to realize there's a very different, there's a different old money who controls the cartels and then their hoods and their thugs and the street gang level people who no matter how much money they get, they'll always be considered street trash and hoods and thugs, and, and they've marked themselves in the face, they've done it to themselves and things, and those guys will always be disposable compared to the higher-table uh, mafiosos and organized criminals in the blacker uh, market of society. You understand? Like There are people who walk around with suits and ties not because their boss tells them to do, but because they know that's what makes them respectable because this is an invisible society, let alone there are billionaires who don't fit in, and no matter how much money they have, they'll never fit in. And that's like a big part of what Elon Musk is. No matter how much money he gets, he'll never be accepted. Same thing with Donald Trump. No matter how much money they get, they will never be accepted into society. Since that's why many times it's Donald Trump against the uh, other other millionaires, other significantly wealthy politicians, like, you know, and globalists and everything. And yeah, it's just a battle of billionaires and money's money. 
It's like, you can't take it with you. And they'll just, their entire system is that they don't have to accept you and you can't take it with them. And so, exactly. So you go build your own country club like Donald Trump does. He builds his own Mar-a-Lago. He builds uh, the one in Scotland and everything. And it just becomes, you know, that <laughs> they're all fighting. Exactly. Like, it's, like, it's not really mount what you control or what you have. It's how they control um, everyone. It's, like, it's, it's, it's all a chessboard. It's all a game. Exactly, like, like no matter how much money the pawn has, the pawn is always gonna be a pawn, and, you know. And there's like the king will always think they're the king, and the bishop will always think they're the bishop, and the horse will always be the horse, you know. And it's like, like it's, it's this elemental uh, treatment of people in the ritualistic societies. I'm not saying I'm a for it. I'm just saying this is how it is. You're right. You should be sovereign. Everyone should be equal, so that if you you know, were homeschooled and didn't go into the system and then, you know, were a millionaire, you know, it should be as good as anyone else's money, but I know it's not. I am saying, I just know it's not. That's just not the world we live in. I'm just telling you how it is. Exactly. You can go and be a billionaire and they still just not let you into certain places because you haven't, you're not part of these secret clubs. Like, a lot of places in England are like that. Where you have to literally, let's by invitation only, and literally it would take a, a act of like you know, um, like there's no cameras allowed and stuff like that, and to even see the interiors of certain rooms, it's like you know one in a million type shit. Um, same thing with the Men in Black. No matter how much money you have, you can't buy the secrets. You can't talk to them. You can't get inside because they, they can't be co- compromised and they can't be corrupted. And those secrets are a matter of uh, galact- or like say Earth Alliance security. There's no way to really buy your way into it. They don't need, you know, anyone they don't pick. And they have to pick you, right? Like, they have to pick you. It's, it's a greater chance than uh, of that happening, or else it's never going to happen. Well, even then, like, uh, yeah, like, it, it's just, it's a crazy, crazy world we got in there. Let's see, I guess I gotta answer another question real quick before we get back into it. Wanna ask, the Thule Society and other, or sorry, A. Bannister asks, wanna ask, the Thule Society and other esoteric groups believe they have long hair helps to having stronger side connections and their consequences are divine. What's your take on that? Uh, yes. I think the George Guidestones will get what they want when the human population is not really a question. Oh, wait, uh... Yeah, depopulate real quick. Yeah, they basically want a massive die-off. And most die-offs are massively sudden because of that. Because human beings only effectively live for about one generation, which is about 100 uh, years at maximum. So if there was no breeding... You know, for one generation, it would only take about a hundred years before everyone died off, and there would be literally no humans after one generation of no breeding, and so, really, their entire idea was a Methuselahian, um, Methuselahian uh, fallacy, which is the Earth is running out of resources, and there are too many people for the Earth to support. 
which is absolute fallacy. It is not based in reality or logic. Entire populations of the world could fit in small countries or, or even mid-sized countries like Nigeria or like uh, Arizona. Uh, the entire population of the world could fit physically inside Loch Ness, for example. And that there is more land that is unoccupied than there is occupied land. In fact, out of all the 15% of the surface area that, or the 25% of the surface area that is the surface, not water, only 3% of it is urbanized. Most of it is completely untouched. And as I said, I hate to go like, uh, you know, Ben and Teller's bullshit on this, but it is, it's absolutely bullshit that think that the earth is running out of room and that we can't farm or, or create farms or, or uh, food supplies for people when science has proven that you don't even need soil anymore. You can hydroponically grow it out of, uh, you know, various nutritional sources, one of which being corpses, human corpses. And so there's not like you can't automatic or where there's anybody and anybody dying, you then have enough, uh, resource to grow food and then to process that dying body into food and things. And so it becomes a part of breeding. Breeding is artificially capable as well. You can have test tube babies. You can have artificial insemination. You can have various controlled breeding programs that yes, they, it becomes weird, but yeah, you're going to have to buckle down and do it, especially when it becomes obvious, like no country for old men, is very weird that everyone's just kind of like, well, we're going to fucking die. Like, everyone's going to go extinct. And you're like, why wouldn't people literally be volunteering for nonstop insemination sessions? For hopefully one of them, like, fucking works, right? He's like, hopefully one of the... one. He's like, well, did we try everybody? He's <laughs> like, well, did we try everybody? Like, and you can clone people and, ex and shit like that. And cloning in that situation wouldn't be affected by the fact that no one could get naturally pregnant or as fertile because cloning is just taking cells and literally putting them physically with a needle into another cell. Like, you're not needing sperm or zygotes or meiosis or mitosis or cell division or anything like that inside a womb. You're literally growing them in a tube, and then when they get to, like, a fetus, you're just sticking it inside somebody. And you can do that with a cow or an artificial womb and literally grow them to life and term inside a jar. And then there's like, no children for old men. Oh, man, we're all going to die because women can't get knocked up anymore? Like, no, even fuck it. Exactly. Well, fuck women. He's like, we're going to go tubes. <laughs> we're going to go tubes. <laughs> get the tubes. <laughs> it's like people, people are extremely blessed to have the intelligence that we do because we become like gods. And that is absolutely the thing that a most dystopia... Uh, yeah, yeah, I meant children of men. Sorry, no, not no country for old men. Same thing with no country for no men. There should have been more fucking in that movie. <laughs> should have been more fucking in that movie. No, <laughs> children of men. There should have been more fucking in children of men. I'm just saying, like, Gerard Butler, or not Gerard Butler, uh, Clive Owen, you'd think would be getting it, like, you know, more in, because women would just be, like, not giving a shit anymore. And, you know, exactly, like, there was a lot of drop balls and missed opportunities with Children of Men because they wanted to make it dark. Children of Men, exactly, that's the thing. With the, the whole, like, oh, no, we can't have kids, so everyone's going to get all weird and violent and, like, crazy. No, they wouldn't. They would just nihilistically start fucking everything that moved, like they did in Russia. 
back when like children were it were women were given like birth control by the government and shit. Like it just didn't matter at any point because you knew like or in China, China is extremely hedonistic, and people don't know that because child it, childbirth is extremely regulated, so it doesn't fucking matter because you're gonna get a state station abortion anyway, and things like that. And and China, I mean, I mean. <laughs> You want to talk about some horny fucking people, China. You talk about some horny fucking people, China. You know, you got <laughs> And it's like, wherever the state the state has any kind of control or, or there's any kind of dystopia or lack of control, rather, from the population to childbirth, they don't get depressed. They get, like, just nihilistically hedonistic. And that's the thing, like, the Children of Men was very, like... Uh, very oddly sexless presentation of the future. I thought I thought that was very odd. Like it just—I mean—that is just it, it, one of those things where you realize like it's not very realistic. But yeah, let's get into the the reading. Still, we still got a lot of it to read, and we're hopefully gonna finish this uh, version of it all in one go. So. Next slide. Motivational learner web ba- Oh, sorry. Let's see if there's any more questions here. All right. Good. Oh, so a banister asks a question. What is Elon Musk's role in the breakaway sieve? A uh, very complex role. He's basically the puppet and is going to be used to create the bridge between the lack of technology and technological uh, development that was the... 90s and the 2000s and he's going to try to bridge that to the next space race because the space race is going to be um, repeated in the 2050s and 2060s right everything's going to be repeated maybe even a little bit earlier than that and he's going to be in his later life set up in positions to be the Werner von Braun of the 21st century. And there'll be Disney movies with Elon Musk. There'll be, uh, there'll be like, uh, parades and stuff in his honor, virtual meta type, you know, ask me anything and hangout sessions with him. He'll be very influential on being the front man and the poster child for the futurist next era of space. And then he'll also, because he's going to be putting money into it, making AI and tunnels, deep underground military things, like, you know, deep underground tunnels for the transportation around the country. He'll be involved with that. He's going to be involved with everything, but it's just, it's already going to exist. It's just going to be disclosed to us in the next hundred years, but they can't keep it any secret. Like, and they'll just say, oh, it's Elon Musk doing it. Uh, one of the things that is very obvious is that in the uh, Navy Disclosure documentary, the, I think it was called uh, UFOs on Showtime of 2021, there was a four-part series where they interviewed uh, the Navy pilots who saw the UAP, uh, the Tic Tac, and one of the ladies, the lady who saw it, uh, the lady pilot, she said in a very, like, at the very last thing that was said in the documentary, who knows, maybe it's something Elon Musk is flying around out there. 
And it's very obvious that's the agenda, is that they want to say that people like Elon Musk, or Elon Musk himself, is going to be responsible for shit like anti-gravity, uh, you know, uh, other technologies that they're going to make disclosed. Um, and, and it's all going to be conveniently wrapped up in a very tight little package and given to the public. So the public doesn't ask the the so the public doesn't ask any of the hard questions, and the public doesn't get shocked by the um, advancements that were being kept secret. You know this entire time, because that's going to be as revolutionary as the disclosure of UFOs and of aliens as being extraterrestrial in origin. Uh, is the revelation that the human species is much more advanced by hundreds and hundreds of years, by factors of generations, and has been purposely kept like feudalism in a state of near illiteracy for the sake of providing docile citizenry in, in the game of empire, in the game of, in the game of self-management, civic management that people were intentionally given Stone Age lifestyles uh, and and made to be called uh, modern living because they were uh, deemed as unworthy by the, the extraterrestrials and the higher powers in the government to being able to maturely handle these revelations so soon. That would cause a lot of anger. That was going to cause a lot of rebellion. That's going to cause a lot of civil disobedience. Um, so they have. To, that's one of the things they said. They'll they'll announce that extraterrestrial life is real before they announce that human beings have zero point technology, have uh, medical technology, have artificial intelligence. Um, you know has all this cool shit you know and that that we don't need extraterrestrials really to fly to Mars or to colonize Mars we don't need yes we needed them we needed them to make it all happen we needed them and we still do for political reasons and everything uh, for dealing with other extraterrestrials but physically physically we have the technology to bring ourselves to Mars to bring ourselves to the moon already that we have the technology to create colonies that we have technology to colonize these places and have populations in the millions. Not just the dozens, not just the hundreds, but the millions. Like I said, uh, yeah, he's the SNL. See, that's why he's the guy who can go on SNL. He's the guy who has a Twitter account. He has the guy who can go on social media and have interviews with like Joe Rogan and shit and be literally the front man for the corporations and the technological research and development programs which are oftentimes funded by the Pentagon and various DOD agencies as well as private corporations through taxpayer dollars but go in front of people and pretend that they're his ideas and pretend that they're his companies and pretend that it's his money when really it's our money and it's the research and develop programs of our government that have been creating these technologies that should be ours 
but Elon Musk is going to say are his, and the government's going to say are his, and the government's not going to claim any responsibility, and the government's not going to claim any um, any obligation because they don't have any responsibility. Like, oh, Elon Musk did all his research and development, and you know we we didn't do it, so we don't actually owe you guys as the American people any of the profits or the proceeds because this is all private capitalist uh, technology, right? And because if you actually thought about it, it's our taxpayer dollar that has gone into providing the military's financial black budget programs that they can reap all the pro- profit and reward off of, but it's this entire idea of taxpayer fraud because it goes back into uh, military budget fraud, etc. Military industrial complex budget fraud. That's the purpose of Elon Musk. Because if anyone goes down, only Elon Musk goes down. No one else. If the people get mad, they just get mad at Elon Musk. If the people demand, uh, you know, heads roll, only one head's gonna roll. Elon Musk's big fat cucumber uh, fucking face and just like get chopped off right at the base. And he's just gonna like, yeah, get defamed and have his public reputation destroyed. And and be you know martyred um, for all of capitalism's sins, but really, exactly, capitalism itself will be able to escape basically completely, completely um, blameless for for having done this and kept it secret because the crime really is secrecy. You know, like what do they do wrong? They kept it secret, and they've been keeping it secret from us. Let's get back into these slides. Motivational learner, web-based, asynchronous distance learning allows the only method of providing requisite improved educations in the fields of breadth, depth, quality, responsiveness to shifting global economic warfare requirements and accelerated increases in knowledge at orders of magnitude, reduced societal and individual costs, and increased convenience and accessibility to the students. By 2025, 40% of private and 15% of public colleges and universities are expected to be closed due to web-based competition. A Northern Virginia businessman recently donated $100 million to set up a free Ivy League class online university. And this is what we were talking about earlier with the question uh, in the live chat and everything while I was recording this. That, yes, you have millions of dollars, but you can't get to Ivy League schools unless you're accepted by these Ivy Leagues. And that's what does it matter about these clubs? Like I said, you could have $100 million, but if you're not allowed to go to Harvard, you can never say legally that you're, you went to Harvard. And that means something to certain people. Now, people can accrue massive fortunes and out of spite, yes, attack those people and make their own country club. He made his own university. He made his own Ivy League university. And you're right. Make it free for anyone to take. And this was back in 2008. But it's like, they, that's what's on. Like I said, you can make the knowledge free 
You can create your own with your money, but these societies that exist exist within themselves. So you'll always be an outsider. And even if you said, well, I made my own school, you did so because you weren't allowed in the other one. And that's what they'll always tell you, is that you can make your own school and you can make everything free, but you can never be in our system and controlling our way of life, controlling how we think. And that's the thing. Societies don't ever include the outsider. And societies exist to create the outsider and to reinforce the us versus them in our own society. That there is them and there's us. That there is people from the wrong side of the track and that's why you get inequalities. That's why you get the caste system. Working class people are the outsiders even though they're the majority. Even though there's 7 out of 10 people or 9 out of 10 people to 99% is considered working class in some way. They're the outsider of the political authority and regime of the United States. Because the United States is controlled by the, the, the government class, by the, the, the wealthy tycoon class, the billionaire class, the trillionaire class, and not by the working class. Like I said, you can, whatever it's controlled by, it's not controlled by the working class. Everyone will know that the working class has no real authority and power. In fact, the working class is always the victim of every inequality and societal evil Regardless, because the, if anything, the working class as a whole cannot unify or defend itself. And there's absolutely, like, it's hard to say what things are, but it's very easy to say what they're not. The ultimate education approach plug and play, direct silicon or other such device connected to brain. Very rapid uploads, education in minutes instead of years. The advantages of shallow sea, desert sea, production of bio... Oh, sorry. So that's the end of that one. The ultimate education approach, plug and play. They want people to eventually be able to plug in implants into their brains and have information instantly downloaded, basically, through minutes and moments. Hours, even, of downloading information instead of years of constant practice and, and, and coursework to, to uh, memorize concepts and things. Advantages of shallow sea desert production of biomass via seawater irrigation. Closed CO2 cycles. It obviates global warming. Creation of food in areas without food. Petrochemical feedstock. Materials, clothing, etc. So based on cotton and, and you know other things, fibers like hemp. Energy, end reliance on Middle East. So exactly, in the energy of control of OPEC. Terraforming, alter desertification, etc. Purposeful terraforming of Earth, creating from the deserts lush paradises or agricultural fields. Preservation, production of fresh water. Over the course, using the actual deserts themselves as filters and desalinators, uh, producing fresh water through the course of, um, you know, the natural water cycle. Rich mineral source of seawater, so turning barren land into fertile land, using nothing but seawater, no fertilizer. 
utilization of wastelands like the Sahara Desert, etc. Probable circa 2025 societal changes. There's going to be a much increased lifespan. There's going to be a solution to the energy, water, global warming situation. There's going to be far more global distribution of technology, education, economics, and wealth. There's going to be a tremendous increase in the capability of the automatic and robotic everythings, resulting in reduced tensions associated with the haves and the have-nots and historic religious issues becoming pronounced, also resulting in greatly increased individual destructive power with biological weapons, information warfare, etc. at the hands of many more populations and general societal disaffection or disaffection uh, with m- machines and automation. Major emerging law enforcement issues. Privacy. Ubiquitous micro and nano sensors providing for surveillance. Information technology Network crime, wide spectrum, biological crime, binary pathogens, genetic engineering crimes, protection of human electronic implants, protection of CONUS, the continental United States, beyond terrorism, the societal disaffection upheaval caused by rapid technological changes, read air rage, psychosomatic illnesses, Withdrawal symptoms from technology. Of particular concern are the uncontrolled, uncontrollable self-replication of brilliant robots, nano-replicators, and rampant uh, recombinants into biologically engineered organisms. The The current competitive landscape The United States produces only 18% of the world's GDP, 70% of the research conducted offshore, 400 billion year trade deficit, 32 other nations devote a larger percentage of their GDP to research, fifth in number of research and development personnel in labor units, 3% savings rate versus 30% in China, 13th out of 30th in students' math scores and science scores the examples of the confluence of the information technology biotechnology and nanotechnology worlds the brain of a sea lamprey inserted and connected to the body of a robotic fish an initial marine cyborg Choo-choo, a flesh plant-eating robot that hunts bio, a biology, and digests natural foods to live off the land. Carbon nanotubes. C1 million Buckminster fullerene of carbon has the 100 times the strength and one-sixth the weight of steel. It's eight times better than armor. Low-energy molecular petaflop computing uh, possible using carbon nanotubes and it has ultra-high capacitation for electricity 
and a high temperature uh, threshold. Revolutionary power generators, storage opportunities, ultra capacitors, advanced fuel cells using lithium, water, and air, HEDM, e.g. solid H2, isomers, antimatter, etc. Offshore methane hydrate extraction, black light UV power, carbon nanotube storage of H2 non-cryogenically, room temperature superconductors, Micro-dust weaponry, a mechanical analog to bio biological warfare, micron-sized me mechanized dust, which is distributed as an aerosol and inhaled into the lungs. Dust mechanically bores into lung tissue and executes various pathological missions. A wholly new class of weaponry, which is legal. Explosive smart dust opportunities. Optimal positioning of explosive dust before explosion. Formation of explosive lenses. Infiltration of deeply buried or other such hidden targets. agreed-upon assumptions for the combat in 2025. Proliferation of theater battle management systems, information technology, precision missiles, strike targeting, ubiquitous microsensors, camo spoofing, robotics, biochem munitions, logistical assets highly vulnerable in and out of theater, in and out of theater, ports, airfields, possible, unused, beams increasingly prevalent. I remember reading that one from last slide. Cruise missiles. Current status. Range payload similar to theater battle management at fraction of the cost and far greater the accuracy. 75,000 in inventory of 75 countries, 130 different versions produced in 19 countries, 10 exporting countries selling cruise missiles currently. German V-1 cruise missile killed 5,000 British and injured 40,000 civilians. LO, launchable anywhere from anything, highly maneuverable. Then year, cost potential reduced to 10,000, 25,000 per missile. Warhead, 
created with carbon fibers and equipped with EMP or submunitions, volumetric munitions, or smart dust. Cruise missiles continued. Potential outlook. Any RPV slash UAV or UUV has a potential cruise missile. 50 countries have UAVs. 50 by 2008, by the way. It's increased. Low cost and ready availability of requisite technology components essentially ensure the enemy after next will have an inventory filled hordes of very capable, easily concealed, very difficult and expensive to counter, accurate cruise missiles with the potential devil's brew of warheads. Volumetric weaponry. Alternatives to high explosive. EMP, electromagnetic pulse. Miniature brilliant sensor slash landmine combinations. Fuel slash air and dust slash air thermobarics. Chemical, biological, anti-functionals, and anti-fauna. Isomers and strain bond energy releases. Carbon fibers and blades, acoustic shrapnel, etc. Anti-personnel, microwave, radio frequency weaponry. Heating, high power requirements. Surface effects such as pain, brain interactions, low frequency modulations. Effects of low power microwaves, United States Army, SRI, Walter Reed. Behavioral performance decrements, seizures, gross alterations in brain function, 30% to 100% increases in blood flow, lethality. Interactions between low power microwatts per square centimeter 0.4 to 3 gigahertz microwave and brain functions. Often fingerprintless bioarchipelagos, bacteriological, viruses, prions, parasites, fungi, carcinogens, toxins. Hormones, regulators, fatal to disabling, short to long-term scales, anti-flora, fauna, and functionality weapons, direct and undetectable binary chemical weapons, natural, genomic, originating weapons, biohacking. Some interesting thin-year Bioweapon possibilities. Aflatoxin, natural, per parts per billion carcinogen. Airborne varieties of Ebola and Lassa. Binary agents distributed via imported products, vitamins, clothing, food. Genomically, individual, and societally created targeted pathogens. Long-term 
fingerprintless campaigns as opposed to shock and awe bioweapons. An existing biocalmative, the VEE, the Venezuelan equine encephalitis. Ideal incapacitation bioweapon agent. Weaponized by the United States and the USSR in 1950s through the 1960s. Easily transmitted via aerosol. Highly infectious with a low mortality rate. One to five day incubation. Three weeks for recovery. Tested on humans. Operation White Coat. No treatment available. Frontiers of rapidly growing genomic institutes. Biology of the battlefield. Sustainment. Food. Water. Soil air purification. Energy. High capacity H2 PV. Meds. Health. Computing, clothing, greatly reduces logistics tail and enhances capabilities. Lethality, capabilities enhancement, armor, concealment, leaving camo, sensors, FOF, ID, bioweaponry, anti-personnel, functional biovirus into biocomputer, explosives, e.g. into fixation, grow overmite. What is apparently legal? Microwave, radio frequency, anti-functional and anti-personnel weaponry. Chemical, anti-functional weaponry. Chemical, psychological effects via sensory organs weaponry, e.g. smell. Chemical, personal, incapacitation weaponry. Non-warfare, e.g. hostage, terrorism only. Psychological Warfare, acoustic weaponry, mechanical micro dust, future non nuclear explosives for volumetric weapons of mass effect, metastable interstitial composites, the MIC cubanes, order of six times of TNT. Fuel air slash dust air explosives, the order of 15 times the explosivity of TNT. Strain bond energy release, SBER, order of 1,000 times the energy output of TNT. Hafnium metastable Isomers, order of 1,000 to 100,000 times the explosivity of equal parts TNT. Atomic boron, carbon or hydrogen. High energy density materials, HEDM, power, explosives, 
and propellants. Tetrahedral. Atomic barn. Metastable helium. Metallic HZ. Not really sure what HZ would be. Isomers. Antimatter and linears. There's one. Transoceanic UAVs. Current capability. 98 to 29 pounds. 2,000 miles. 1.5 gallons of fuel. 01-2001. Trans-Pacific. 5,000 mile range. Provides capability for undetectable, ultra-inexpensive swarms against the continental United States. Interesting precision payloads. Remember, the payloads are what counts for the weapon systems it employs. Smart dust. Target. Explode hazmat trucks, chemical plants, oil storage refineries, etc. It could bio-dispense anti-people, anti-things, anti-plants. It could launch EMP attacks. Blast wave accelerators. Oh, this is why I read the only time, but I can't get enough of the blast wave accelerators. Here is an image of the blast wave accelerator, by the way. I'll try to use this as the cover. You guys can see what it looks like. Here's a good one. Example. Potential competitor military surveillance intelligence targeting damage assessment utilization of international scientific global change programs and assets. Extensive increasing international assets. Land-based ship aircraft conventional hail Spacecraft dedicated to measuring on a global scale details of land, atmospheric, ice, ocean, bio, Asia status, dynamics to understand total Earth system and effects of humans on the global environment. Extensive magnification, 
often redundant wide coverage and detailed instrumentation suites imagining radars, SARs, LIDARs, radar altimeters, laser altimeters, radiometers, scatterometers, spectrometers, infrared sensors, magnetometers, etc. on board their satellites. Terabytes of data archived, readily publicly available, increasing in near real time. Sample measurements include, and he goes through a list of uh, elements, and then it's aerosols, wind speed, vector profile, vegetation type, temperature profiles, humidity profiles, soil moisture compositions, snow cover, depth, moisture content, cloud surface, reflection, sea ice type, Coverage, temperature, ocean temperature, sediments, topography, salinity, currents, magnetic fields, surface emissives, reflectance, leaf area index, land topography, use temperature, cover, ice, sheet elevation, topography, gravity fields, gradients, fire extension temperatures, 3D cloud distribution, temperatures, ice content, pressure distributions, ocean wave heights, periods, and misdirections. Increasingly critical human limitations and downsides. Large, heavy, tender, slow, physically and mentally, require huge logistical trains, i.e. humans have rapidly decreasing to negative value added. Robotics in the large. Save lives, enhance affordability, redefines risk and threat environments, and enhances the effectiveness of missions. Unattended munitions, sensors, and platforms. Air, UAVs, sea, UUVs, land, UGVs. Logistics, spoofing, obscurance, RSTA, including the NBC. Uh, defense and cross the board, including counter-recon, ambushes, offense, obstacle breaching, the shooter especially, the uh, mounted uh, rifles, the mine clearing capabilities of, of UAVs or UGVs. I'm mean, sorry, UGVs. Emerging characteristics of robotic systems. Enabling by ongoing information technology revolutions, communication sensors, computation miniaturization. From expert systems towards AI and beyond. From much more reactive than humans to greatly increased scales of performance. Greatly improved hyperspectral sensors and data fusions. Greatly improved accuracy and lethalities. Greatly improved affordabilities and miniaturizations. Greatly redefines risk, minimalizing casualties and salutes uh, CNN syndrome. Greatly reduces logistics. 
Robotic Intelligence. Two flavors, traditionally AI rule-based and experiential behavior-based neural nets, other soft computing. Com combination of this is current best bet poor Mojave to produce artificial cyber life, which will possibly to probably be sentient, but will not be anthropomorphic. What is beyond the robotic systems, the sensors, the platforms, the weapons munitions? Robotic automate, automatic, uh, automation versus autonomous warfare. Computer capabilities will exist beyond Teraflop to do AI or better require connectivity is a given. Competitor capabilities, tempo sidelines, the innate inadequacies of human interactions, education, conscious decision timing. Little to no troops. The acme of warfare is to fight without fighting. Flight hierarchies. Demise of man in the chair. Flight, a high-level soft science, human aspects, boundary conditions. The sociological, humanitarian angle. The political angle. The environmental angle. The religious angle. The psychological angle. The economic angle. Etc. Extent, scale, projected efforts, effects, damages, personal attributes, general to be specific. Non-explosive warfare. Natural warfare. Sensors. Utilize institutionalized plants, animals, insects as sensor platforms. Instruments to indicate the presence and our movements and characteristics of others. Weapons, munitions, utilize animals, e.g. urban rats, insects as delivery systems, munitions, feeding, swarming, biting, poisoning. Utilize institutional explosive destructive capabilities, e.g. offshore methane hydrate, dams, etc. Characteristics, future emerging sensors, munitions, weapons, and platforms. Inexpensive, numerous to hoard cloud swarms, small, light, and ubiquitous. Readily available, large communications technology infrastructures necessary, long range, volumetric, and precise, both explosive and non-explosive, smart to brilliant weapons platforms. Sorry, just going through these slides and a lot of these I've read before. So I don't want to repeat myself, but we have pages and pages of, of potentially new material. Alright, here's one. Uh, before the hour is up. I think it's a good place to end it. Unconventional nuke delivery. You could sink a ship offshore. Detonate the nuke inside to produce a tidal wave with radioactive plumes. Transcontinental UAV or UUV delivery. Balloons 
with GPS sport shoots. Remember what I said at the beginning of this entire presentation. Balloons as a form of delivery for payloads of explosives in certain areas. That balloons with GPS support and sport shoots could be used to deliver a nuclear weapon unconventionally. Ganged micro-rockets a la MIT Trojan horse everything ships, boats, planes, cars, trucks, packages, cargo containers targeted effects including tidal waves, EMP, earthquakes, radiation, and blast areas. Now, I'm actually going to leave this for a part four, reading for part four, because we've already covered two hours of this, but there are still about 20 pages of material to search through and possibly find some new material, but definitely worth revisiting as an ultimate summary and, you know, dictating, giving two hours to that task, right? Seems fair, because if it's part four, we'll include with one hour of the conclusion of reading the slides, another hour of summarizing the entirety of the presentation, and and the impact of it as a prediction, and how accurate of it is, you know, for modern world politics and the implications of what they're telling us on the fake news versus what they're uh, not telling us happening... It, really behind the scenes, right? But you've been listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. I'm your host, the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Thank you very much. You're the greatest audience out there in Dreamland. You guys got a lot of guts. This is exclusive for the supporters of uh, the program, for the Patreons, and for the members. Um, thank you very much. You guys deserve this content. It's exclusive of yours. It's a one-on-one with myself personally as a sign of gratitude. And you guys totally deserve it. Thank you very much uh, for supporting me, for supporting me, uh, you know, new and old, all those that have. Thank you very much. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Namaste and shalom. God bless you and your families. Thank you very much.